You guys, here we go. It's episode number 188 now of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron. I'm Don. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios, live on Queen Anne Mountain. And thanks for stopping by during the holidays and sharing some holiday time with us. If you don't know what to make real quick before we get to the show, I just want to remind you, my brother, uh, he was in the eighth grade. I was in the fifth grade. And uh, my dad had left. My mom was around, but not a lot because she was working. And so we learned to make surprise pie. How do you make surprise pie? You take the old pie crust uh, that's been there for probably three, four, five Thanksgivings and sitting in your freezer. You're going to take that. This is what my brother Jack would do. And you're going to put that in a pan. So you got the old pie crust in the pan. Now what you do is you go to your mother's pantry. You just find whatever you can. You're going to find some lima beans in there. Uh, You're going to find some chicken noodle soup. You're going to find some Chef Boyardee, whatever else you'd like to add to the surprise pie. You're going to put that in, and then what you're going to do is you're going to go back in the freezer because that pie crust always comes in twos or threes. So you're going to take a second pie crust now. You're going to put that over the top of the compote that you just put inside. You're going to put this in the oven. You're going to cook it for 50 minutes, and we're going to go to 350. So we're going to go low and slow. You're going to pull that out. You're going to pull that out. You pull that out after 50 minutes. We're going to let that cool off. Then we're going to take a pizza slicer and we're going to go ahead and slice it because we don't have a pie slicer because we're a fifth grader and eighth grader. You're going to dig into this. You are going to dig into this. And all I can say is, wow. Surprise. What a surprise. <laughs> surprise pie uh, for my brother, Jack O'Neill, from our house to yours. Hey, uh, coming up in the Ron and Don show, George Clooney just gave away $14 million to 14 different people. Why did he give away $14 million to 14 different people? Uh, We'll tell you about that. Also, my Uncle George, at the age of 93, just passed away. I went on a road trip with him when he was 85, so about eight years ago, and I was driving. He was shotgun, and I knew that this would be my last trip with him, so I asked him specifically. I said, what are three things that you would change about your life? What are three things that you would change about your life or you'd do over again? And he gave me those three things. I wrote those down. And I went back to one of my old journals. I found that the other day, and I'm going to share that with you. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Uh, we have a client right now that is working on buying a home uh, that a local university owns. I'm not going to tell you which university. What's really interesting is this university is in a neighborhood where they're starting to sell off some of their real estate. Now, real estate is typically part of a university's endowment. And what they try to do is take over neighborhoods, not give neighborhoods back. And a lot of people are beginning to say, wow, is this the end? Is this the end of a $90,000 a year education, a $100,000 a year education? And in fact, a lot of people are scratching their heads and saying, why did I go to school? I got my four years degree, my master's. After that, I got my PhD uh, and now I have a job where I'm making 100, 120, $140,000 a year, but I own 300, 400, $500,000 in student loans. And as a result of that, 
I don't have the leverage now to go out and buy a home. I don't have the leverage to go out and buy a home and raise a family because I'm sitting here now for the next 10, 15 years and I'm paying off. In fact, I was dating a a woman who's 42 years old. She was still paying off and she got her master's degree. She has a very good job. She makes 150 a year. She was still paying off her student loans uh, and she was just paying interest on those student loans because that's what she could afford because Seattle's a very, very expensive city to live in. And a lot of times, if you're just paying the interest, you can keep rolling those loans. The new president says he may come in and he may pardon some of those loans. But at the end of the day, Ron, how did this happen? Because uh, we learned growing up, hey, if you don't have a four-year degree, uh, you're not going to be able to make it in this world. And now people are thinking, maybe I don't need a four-year degree because there's a lot of tech companies out there that are saying, hey... You come to our coder school for six months, uh, and we are going to show you how to be a tech worker. You don't need a four, a six, or an eight-year degree, right? Well, back in the days of yore, it was statistically true. You could you could map out uh, how much someone made in their lifetime, uh, and you could correlate for education. And it was true that you made more money over a lifetime. But the the structure of business in America was very, very different then in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, we had factories. We made goods and services in America. And so there was a clear line of delineation between a blue collar job and a white collar job. And if you cross that barrier and most of the time it required a college education, then yeah, your income would be significantly better over your lifetime. I think the, just the structure of business has changed. There are still blue collar jobs and white collar jobs, but now there's this other blend of career paths to your point. If you are, uh, if you were a plumber or an electrician, a tradesman in the city of Seattle, and you partnered up with two or three buddies that were also tradesmen, and all you did was show up on time and return people's phone calls and emails, you could not keep up with the business. And you can pretty much name your price. That's so if you just showed up on time, did good work and, and communicated with people, um, and you would be making more than most white collar jobs uh, make across America. And like if you take a, a bank executive in Omaha and a, a plumber that's full-time in Seattle, I bet they make about the same amount of money. So there, and I'm just guessing, I'm throwing out examples off the top of my head, but you get my point. So I think that there's been a new lane that has developed in, in America with globalization. And this is also the fuel to the 2016 election. As you saw these people in the Midwest that thought it was their birthright to have this union job that had security for a lifetime where I can get my house and my truck and my boat and we'll have a cabin. And that's what my dad did. That's what my grandpa did. That's what all my uncles did. And that's what I'm going to do. And that no longer exists. That lane doesn't exist anymore. And instead of adapting, you said, oh, the Mexicans did it. They stole my job. And that's what got us into the 2016 election. So we just need to, as a society, wake up to the fact Act. Things have changed. And I agree with you. I think college as we know it could be over. And I look at my, I have several nieces right now that are going to very prestigious schools uh, on the East Coast. And it is not cheap. And I'm wondering, because I don't know, is that worth it? Is it going to be worth it? Are they getting a very specific degree for a very specific job? Because that's one of the problems is people that go out and get degrees. Out of the five people that get a degree, only one of those students 
will actually use the degree if they, right. if they end up getting a degree. And then out, out of everyone that goes to college, oftentimes you only have 20, 25% of the folks that walk away with a degree. I'm one of those people. So I couldn't afford even student loans. I, I was just like, I can't take on this debt. So I worked very, very hard. And my mother let me know at a very young age, if you want to go to college, you'll have to get, uh, you will have to get um, a scholarship to do so. And so I did that. I had a scholarship at the University of New Mexico, and I had a scholarship uh, at the University of, of Washington. I had a partial scholarship at the University of Notre Dame, but I couldn't even afford, and I got accepted there, but I couldn't afford the plane ticket to go there. I had a job where I was making $3.25 an hour. I had three different jobs, working in a cafeteria, cleaning carpets, throwing newspapers, working at a church, doing all this stuff. Uh, and I couldn't afford a ticket uh, uh, to get there. So all this to say, when I was going to the University of Washington, uh, I went back to finish my education, get my degree, because I thought that was really important. I'm in my 20s. And that's when you and I got our first radio job. And I went to one of my professors, who was also a vice president of Coca-Cola at the time, in one of my marketing classes. And I asked her, I said, Cindy, uh, I have this job that's been offered at the university, uh, or I'd have to leave the university and I would have to head down to California, move to San Francisco, work for the Raiders, and be a sideline reporter, do a morning show. And she just looked at me and she said, look, what you can do and your ability to communicate, because we already had local radio jobs, she said, I can't teach you that. Uh, the university isn't really equipped. The University of Washington isn't really equipped to teach you how to be a great broadcaster. Uh, you've already done that because you're an informal learner. You and Ron have both done that because we were doing our show at the time and she had listened to it. She said, go and do that job. And then later on in life, if you want to return, I have looked at returning because I want to be a good example to my son about getting a four year degree. And I've been saving money for him that he doesn't know uh, and putting money away for his college in case he doesn't get that scholarship. But you know what I've done when I sat down and I put together this 529 plan for him is really that money could be for a four-year degree, but I could pull that money and that could be for maybe a business that he wanted to start to do. I remember when I first went to school and I didn't know what I wanted to do and they said, hey, you know, just go for the first year or two and just take some classes and see what you like. Uh, that wasn't really helpful because I ended up, I, I have, and I know you're the same way. I have more hours than I know what to do with, but they're not specific hours in a specific course plan. And so I don't have a piece of paper that says that I graduated from the University of New Mexico or the University of Washington, but I certainly have the hours. And I, and I look at this now, and, and I still love to learn, and I love to read books, and I, I love to go online and take online courses. I, I love to do that. But I learn informally. I learn by watching others. Uh, we learn, we're learning real estate by watching others. We learned radio. We never went to broadcast school, but it was by watching others. And so I think there's very specific degrees that you need. For instance, if you're going to be in the medical field, you have to go get that certificate and that piece of paper. You're a lawyer. Yeah. But on the other hand, there's lots of degrees that we don't end up using. And sometimes you're just buying because school is not just about school. Sometimes it's about growing up. It's about finding your mate. It's about making new friends. It's about living away from home. There is some and so, equity. And so there, 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 there is value to that part of the education, right? I wanted to be in the Greek system, but I couldn't afford to be uh, in the Greek system. So it didn't make any sense to me to be in a Greek system because I was always working at the time. Anyway, that, that's my, uh, that's my cement mixer going by. They're about to 
pour from my day do in the backyard. So I have to leave in a moment because we're going to pour some concrete. I do think there is some equity because I've seen it. If you're a coog, let's say, and you are in a fraternity or sorority, later in life, there are other coogs will give you a leg up. That's a great point. Uh, and really if you went point. to Harvard yeah. or if you went to MIT, uh, that will open doors for you. But I do think we should re-examine the model. I do think if you have a child uh, that, you know, if you said, hey, you're 18, you want to open a skateboard shop or you want to make a t-shirt company, let's do it. Because yeah. the education they're going to get for, and you know it's going to fail. The education of that business failing is going to be worth more, in my opinion, than a four-year degree. Because they're going to do it in the real world and they're going to you know, figure out, oh, wow, I, I thought that I wanted to do this thing. It didn't work. And then on the outside chance that it does work, awesome. Yeah. And think about the education that young people are getting right now going to school during a pandemic because you learn from failure. You learn when things are hard. You learn when things are difficult. You learn when you face roadblocks and speed bumps. You learn because the obstacles are the way. And if we sit here and we take all the obstacles out of the way for our kids, and, and specifically even when it comes to education, or we tell them the only way is to get a four-year degree, a six-year degree, an eight-year degree, that doesn't make sense either. And we shouldn't shame people when, and we'll pivot now back to the trades. That, that cement truck that just went by, that is going back to pour concrete at my day do. I, I, I have a job that's going on right now that's employing probably 26 different workers have been working on this job and they are all making very good money. I know this because I pay them. So I think it's very, very important that we shouldn't shame people for going to a vocational school or getting a tech job or saying, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go sign up with Google. I'm going to get their six month certificate and I'm going to go work with them. And you start working with Google. Now you have a pedigree. They don't care if you went to the university of Washington, what they care Facebook cares that you work for Google and they know that you went to a really good coding school and they want to steal you and pay you a little bit more. So anyway, I think education is about to really change you guys as we head to 2021. What would you do if somebody handed you uh, $14 million and they said, you can't spend it. You have to give it away and you have to give it away to 14 different people. That's what happened to George Clooney. He just revealed this. And I think he was named the sexiest man of all time ever and the coolest person because he kind of is. It's hard to he. I just George Clooney is gorgeous, you guys. And I'm not a gay man. But if I was, that might be my guy right there. Anyway, talking about George Clooney on the other side of this. And also, I'm going to share that story about my Uncle George. You'll see the Ron and Don show live from the Les Schwab Studios only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Started out right away with Don helping us look at the options. Like, here are different ways you can approach the sale of this house. I bought and sold a lot of real estate over my life. Don's listening skills were um, superior. Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well-prepared. They were just really impressive. And the things that they outlined that they were, were going to provide, their services, were it just made it easy. It was a laydown. And so we put it on the market on Saturday. There was a lot of interest. They made an offer on the, on the offer date 
for over asking price. We did amazing. It was the best case scenario. We couldn't have done better. It couldn't have been a better experience. When we first sat down, they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood. They had several suggestions on you know, when we should go on the market, what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market. I couldn't be happier with the experience we had. We all celebrated. It felt like a team victory. <laughs> We were all just jumping up and down. They were passionate and they, they were just honest and straightforward and uh, no, everything's great. Uh, yeah, I definitely would recommend it. We had multiple offers, $50,000 more than the asking price. He had no contingencies, so I jumped on that one. I can't wait to do another deal with them. It was great. It was awesome. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to The Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network, ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back. Thanks for going to ronanddonsitdown.com. And every time I do that, my dog Charlie sits down, which I think is kind of funny. Anyway, he's Ron, I'm Don. And uh, thanks to the hundreds of thousands of listens to the... What are we heading towards? 800,000. Are we going to do something special for a million? I think we should. What should we do? You know what we should do? We should give, we should do what George Clooney did. We should get $14 million, 14 friends and give it all away. Let me tell you what happened. Do you remember, was, is it called Aster? What was it? What was the astronaut? Gravity. Gravity. He was in the movie Gravity. Yeah. So he signed up for Gravity and, and he explained this, which I really like. He said, you know, early on in his movie career, you just did movies that you knew you, you were coming off of television and people saw you as a TV star and you needed some blockbusters. And you needed some blockbusters to pay the bills to put in the bank. And then you also needed some blockbusters. So later on in life, and I've seen Brad Pitt talk about this, you can kind of start picking and choosing projects you want to be a part of. And like George Clooney right now isn't really interested in being in movies. He likes either being behind the camera. He's a great director. Yeah. Or he likes uh, supporting his wife. And and they're very, very involved in a lot of initiatives. And you probably know that. Anyway, they say he's a great prankster. He likes to do a lot of pranks. That's why all the Ocean Eleven guys, they loved him. And everybody, evidently everybody was But the Gravity people came to him and said, we don't think this is going to be a smash. We can't afford you, but we, we think it's an interesting role. Would you be in Gravity? We'll give you a piece of the back end. We'll give you a piece yeah. of the action. Yeah. He said, okay. Yeah. So Not he, thinking he was going to make anything. So it ends up being a hit. And as a result of this, he makes millions of dollars. And this is what he decides to do. He was single at the time, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he said, you know what? There are people in my life that have had a profound impact on my life. I would not be in the position I'm in. I would I would not have traveled the places I've gone. I wouldn't be in the movies I'm in. I wouldn't have met the people. He said these people were, are already in the will. Yeah, so they were already going to be in the will. He's already going to give them money as a result of that. And he said, damn it, why not give them the money now? And so he took money, $14 million, and he packed it up in suitcases and he put it in a warehouse. Well, right? no, he, he had the $14 million delivered to a warehouse. He then bought, I, I imagine it to be, since he was in Ocean's Eleven, uh, those metal attache cases. He went and he packed this cash into suitcases and then he he hosted a party i believe it was at his house but yeah. the money had to be delivered to the secure vault uh he got a van got the suitcases packed it all up and then brought him back and invited everybody over to his house and it was catered and it had a slideshow and the whole deal yeah and then he sat down with everyone and he thanked them he basically thanked them and he said hey 
Thanks for giving me a great life. This reminds me of what you two did uh, one year on their Zoo Ropa tour. And I remember this. Uh, at the end of every show, they would say, hey, thanks for giving four boys from Ireland really great lives. We appreciate you. You go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they have a letter there from you too that thanks the fans for giving us great lives. Bonnie always says that. Uh, sometimes at the end of our podcast, you'll hear me say that. Thanks for giving us great lives. I've stole that from you too, right? And George Clooney was doing something similar uh, with these friends at this party. Yeah, so the friends, uh, he goes through the this, this slideshow. He shows them all these amazing places he's traveled to, all these amazing people he's met. And then he gave each person $1 million in cash. Yeah. No strings attached. It, it had to be a really <laughs> phenomenal party. I can't... I, I wonder, um, and, and honestly, it probably was more fun for him than it was for them. In it was sense. probably a lot of fun for them. Right. It was a lot of fun for them. I'm just saying, if you've... Uh, and he grew up... His mom was famous. Like He comes from a family of means. Uh, he was never hurting financially. Uh, I'm trying to remember his mom. Elizabeth Clooney or... Uh, she was a, a famous, yeah. a famous uh, person in Hollywood. So, um, yeah. So, I, I've thought about a version of this over the years. And I, I, I wish that it would happen someday because it would be absolutely fascinating to me. There are people... And I don't even want to say it because I think they might be listening to the show. I've fantasized about like secretly paying off someone's mortgage. Or and anyway, like we should say 14 different people. He gave each one of them a uh, million dollars. Yeah. We, yeah. They, that's what. Yeah. We, so if you had that. three, four five, sorry, my dog was scratching the floor in the other room. So I was, I was, I was checking on him. Uh, who, who would you give the money to? Uh, well, that's what I was saying as I hesitate to say, cause I think they listen to the podcast cause I'm, I'm, there's an outside chance that maybe it still happens. Oh really? Uh, yeah. If I ever came into any sort how of much, significant money, how much do I get? Uh, you're not really on the list because we see because we're like the same person. Why can you, I not be on the list? Because I'm not on your list. Yeah, you told you me that the other day. You, you said I see you every day. You're I'm not my, thankful for you. No, be honest. If, if something were to happen to me, all my money goes to you, my mom, and my son. You have the it, you have a copy of the will, but and then and then the hold money, on, time and, out. And the insurance it's is, not just the money. The insurance is phenomenal. So if for some reason I die, time out. I want people to dig into Upshaw's life. No, and, time out. And literally look where the bodies are buried. You leave out a very important part. Because if my day due in the backyard becomes his day due in the next six months, you know what happened here. You left out a very important part. What's that? I also have to take care of your son. That's right. So I mean it's not like <laughs> it's not like George Clooney where I get this this briefcase and then I gotta walk. Like there are st- Rings attached to your deal. So, uh, yeah, but I have fantasized about uh, showing up. I'll just say it. He's probably even listening. I've always dreamt about, man, if I hit it big, I would pay off my brother's mortgage like that. Yeah. Just like, don't tell him. You know, he just goes to pay his mortgage one month, and it's like, you're, you're done. Uh, like, that would be very cool to me. That'd be cool if you did that for me. That would be cool. <laughs> but if I, as soon as I star in a blockbuster movie with Sandra Bullock... I will pay off your mortgage. Yeah. I tell you what, you immediately think that you would give your money to those kids. I have too many friends where the kids had it too easy when we're talking about taking obstacles out of people's lives. People have to go through their obstacles. It's one of the reasons why uh, my son asked me the other day if we were poor or if we were rich, because those are conversations that kids are having right now. And he had a bike at school, and the kids were making fun of his bike because they said it's a poor kid's bike. So we started talking about being poor and rich and what poor and rich is. And then he also knows that the house that we're currently in, that we lived in the basement for years, building the house that's up here. And people come by and they go, wow, that's, that, that, that's an amazing home. And it's like, 
Yeah, well, that home was an Airbnb for years as I lived downstairs. And then I took all the Airbnb money. I never spent a dollar. And that's what's building the day do in the backyard. So we have made sacrifices along the way. But that's because we have jobs uh, being in broadcasting that we knew were volatile. So as a result of that, hey, you got to make some sacrifices. And I don't, I don't want to hand him a million dollars. What George Clooney did is he probably handed a million dollars uh, to people that had already faced real obstacles in their lives. And they probably had a great appreciation for that. I think we have to be really careful. I have one friend who has a great real estate portfolio. Uh, his kids believe they'll get none of that and they'll get some of it, not all of it. They'll get a percentage of it and they'll get a percentage of that when they're 35 years old, not when they're 21, because he wants them to struggle a little bit. Bill Gates has given away most of his money, and I think it's less than 3% is actually going to his children, but 3% of the wealth that Bill Gates has, those kids will probably be okay. Yeah, and I don't have any problem. Bill Gates bought like an equestrian center for his daughter that was into horses, but the security needs of that family are just in a different realm. Okay, who would you give your million dollars away to? <sighs> um... I would probably give a million dollars away to Miguel, who's working out in my backyard right now. I'd give him a million bucks. I'd love to do it. I buy him lunch every day. I'd love to give him a million dollars. He's one of the hardest workers I've ever met. He has an incredible family, incredible children. Uh, he is just an amazing, amazing human. He's, he's, uh, he comes to work in the dark. He leaves in the dark. He works six days a week. Um, and he is just, he's salt of the earth. I grew up around a lot of hardworking Hispanic men in, in New Mexico. And so I have a great appreciation uh, for a lot of Hispanic men and Hispanic families out there that do a lot of the work that it, it's just BS when Americans say that you're taking those jobs away. Uh, no one's taking the jobs away. These a lot of these jobs are really tough jobs that nobody wants. So I I have, I have great appreciation for Miguel. So I would give that I would I would give that million bucks to uh, to Miguel. So so anyways, Rob, if you're listening, your brother would like to pay off your mortgage. So keep an eye on that. I said asterisk. And if he, and if he doesn't have to be in if a he movie doesn't with do Sandra that, Bullock. that's going to be a real disappointment, Rob. And that's too bad. So I hope this doesn't come up in the next family meeting or. When you guys are having a Christmas dinner together, either together or on Zoom. Hey, uh, we come back on the other side of this. My Uncle George did not give me a million dollars. He is no longer with us. I got nothing. But I got something that's worth a million dollars. I'm going to tell it to you on the other side of this. Ron and Don from Radio to Real Estate. When you're ready to grab a cup of coffee and sit down with the guys, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey, you guys, before we get out of here, I wanted to share a story with you. Um, Uncle George uh, just passed away. And I wrote something. I put it up on my social media channels. And it's uh, really why every family, I hope your family uh, has an Uncle uh, George, too. So I wrote this. It says, a number of years ago, after my baby sister passed away, Colleen from ALS, uh, my son and I started to light a family candle. Uh, we do this at night. And then uh, oftentimes we'll do it in the morning. Since our family uh, lives so far away, it was a way for us to connect. And we often light our candle uh, at dinner time. 
And sometimes we call other family members and we invite them on a Zoom call to have dinner with us. So tonight we lit our candle for my Uncle George. He passed away over the weekend at the age of 93. He didn't die of COVID. He uh, passed away. He had fallen, broken his hip. And then uh, his heart had failed. After uh, my father had left our family, I was younger, a little boy. I remember praying for a father just like my Uncle George. And whenever he was around, family storytelling. He was a great family storyteller. There's lots of laughter that went with that. There's lots of joy uh, and lots of these stories uh, I'll remember for the rest of my life. And they're the same stories now uh, that I share with my son. The thing I loved about my Uncle George, he loved his kids. You sometimes have those relatives where they send kids into the other room. He wanted to be in the room with his kids, and he wanted to be in the room with us because, after all, he was just a big kid. He was a a devout husband, which wasn't always modeled for me growing up, but he was an incredible, incredible man, husband, father. Uh, to the Link family, to, and to my Auntie Al and all four cousins. A few years back, uh, we took a family vacation to Colorado. I drove the rented van for a number of days, and he was my navigator. We sat up in the front seat for hours. And he was convinced that I had thrown away my talent on radio broadcasting and being a radio host. He said the real money was being a televangelist. He said, in fact, that he would buy my first satellite. Uh, if I would cut him in on half of the profits. So on that trip, we named our station K-Don, and he's going to call our first satellite the devil-busting satellite. He said he got that idea from television uh, televangelist Jim Baker before he went to prison because he had a devil-busting satellite. His ideas for sermons, uh, I can't share those with you uh, because we would probably get kicked off this broadcast. (laughs) They're pretty awesome, though. Anyway, in my Midwest family, we show our love for one another by giving each other the business. That's what my late grandpa Charlie called it. Nobody gave me the business uh, better than my Uncle George. And knowing that this trip would be our last trip together, I asked him a question, and I wrote this down in my journal a number of years ago. I said, Uncle George, if you had a chance to do it all over again, what three things would you do differently? And I wrote down his response. That is what he called me. I should have never sold my riding lawnmower. He said he missed riding that thing every day and explained to me that sometimes he would go ride his mower out in the yard just to be well out in the yard. Sometimes he would ride his mower even though the grass had just been cut the day before because he loved that damn mower so much. And also he loved having a highball when he was riding on his mower. To a day, he would always say, it keeps the doctor away. The second thing he told me, Donald, I should have never sold my boat. And he included his Eddie Bauer van that he used to pull uh, his boat with. He had so many more fish to catch, he said. And taking a boat ride with him on Lake Michigan was a thing of beauty. It took this 70-year-old man, and it turned him into a 16-year-old boy every time he got behind that wheel. He was a driving maniac. And we would always head out to the secret fishing hole, and we would spend hours together fishing. I hated fishing, but I loved being with him, so I would go on these fishing trips and do what I hated to do. I would go fishing with my Uncle George. Lastly, uh, he said that he would have gotten another dog. He had some amazing hunting dogs over the years. In fact, some of the things that he taught me, I try to teach Charlie. Uh, I don't teach him very well. He was an incredible, incredible teacher of his dogs. And these dogs became his incredible companions over the years. And he loved those dogs more than he loved his kids. 
And he loved my cousins, his kids. He loved them immensely, you guys. He served his country in World War II. He was part of the Navy, the greatest generation. But like the rest of the greatest generation, he left those stories back in 1944. So if you've been thinking about life after COVID, maybe it's time to go get that boat. Maybe it's time to go buy that riding lawnmower. Or maybe it's time to go save that rescue dog. And if you already have a boat, you already have a mower, you already have a dog, don't be in such a hurry to get on to the next best thing. Because the next best thing may already be out in the garage, may already be laying on the floor, or may already be lying in the bed next to you. And don't forget, during these tough times, to stop and really give each other the business. It's not enough to tell someone you love him. You got to give them a hard time. You got to give them the business. Because it's the most love you can ever really show somebody. Well, I will miss my Uncle George. He was my favorite uncle. And I pray that he has found that great fishing hole in the sky with the entire rest of my family. I'd like him to say hi to Grandpa and Gramps and his son, Michael. And my Uncle Don, who I was named after. My Aunt Catherine, who I share a birthday with on April 14th. And, of course, my baby sister, Colleen. I still wish I could have had a dad just like you, Uncle George. Love and respect to all my cousins tonight. Love and respect to all of you. We are grateful for you. We are thankful for you as we head into these Thanksgiving Day holidays. Keep your head up. Keep your shoulders back. Take those yams. Hide them in a glass of milk because I don't like them either. All right? He's Ron. I'm Don. Time we'll out. Can I ask a clarifying question real quick? What? Who's laying on the floor and who's laying next to me? <laughs> We'll see you next time only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>